Hey everybody, it's Screen Thoughts. It's Christine, also known as Justine Hollister. And what an exciting project I got to uh, have a little piece of this week. I'm going to be reviewing, after I interview the director and the writer and the person who put it all together, I'm going to be reviewing a documentary that just came out. It's called El Sisto. And it's really about the entrance of Coca-Cola into Mexico. First, when Mexico started to actually produce Coca-Cola in huge quantities to uh, our consumers in America. And then second, how Coca-Cola really bought their way into Mexicans' hearts and souls by introducing Coca-Cola to them in a way that makes it more popular to drink down there than water. And also the ensuing rise of diabetes there, which is just tragic. It's a tragic, tragic story. So I'm going to start with my interview. So we're going to start there. And then afterward, I'm going to give you a, a little overview and a quick review of the movie. So... Without further ado, here's my interview. Okay, this morning I am so excited to welcome Karen Aikens, uh, who's going to chat with us. She is the director, and you wrote it as well. I saw you're one of the writers, right? Yes, I wrote the narration script. Right, of the documentary El Sisto. Is that how you say it? That's right. Okay, El Sisto, which is a documentary I watched the other night. It's still with me, so I'm going to review it after I have this brief conversation with her. But first, tell us what El Sisto means, because I had no knowledge of the cultural reference for the word, and it's just fascinating. It is, and El Sisto, it means the shock. And there's a folk belief in certain parts of Central America that a shock can give you physical symptoms like, uh, and, and in this case, it's the primary belief in Mexico of how diabetes comes about. They believe that you can get diabetes through a shock. And it's not just a small percentage of the population that believes it. I think the latest poll I saw was like 66% of Mexicans believe that, that that's how you get diabetes, is by having a severe fright. Well, you know, it's funny because as the story unfolds, you start thinking about that it seems almost sort of backward, like the backward people who are not as well educated as we are thinking that a shock to the system could cause diabetes. And yet, while obviously the consumption, which is tripled of Coca-Cola over the last few years and the skyrocketing of diabetes there is, uh, you know, scientifically obvious, it doesn't mean that shocks to the system don't cause physical repercussions, which we have always learned too. So what I loved about it was, yes, their belief that that is the sole reason versus we know that uh, emotional shocks do have incredible uh, results on how we behave in our bodies. And, you know, some people believe that part of cancer's original cause can be too much emotional blockage from not letting out anger and all kinds of things that sort of hold it within the system. So I don't want to totally disregard that, but I thought it was interesting. It's a beautiful, sort of a beautiful opening to how it all plays, you know? Right. And, you know, we don't ever dismiss that concept outright, but we, by the end of the film, you'll see that the whole food system has been subjected to a shock. The whole country has been subjected to a shock. So while not also saying that the primary cause of diabetes is a shock, you do see that all of this influx of highly processed foods has had a, a great negative effect on the country's health. 
Well, you know, I was filled with shame when I watched it. First of all, it opens with what is called, I guess, a death holiday. The film opens with this death holiday where people come. And I I think maybe it's a way of also grieving and yet also addressing death without fear. And it is beautiful. I mean, the colors of these parades and the flowers and the art around, you know, uh, skulls that are made. It's just really, really a beautiful moment. And then it sort of goes into the statistics behind that America and Coca-Cola in this particular case in particular, although I'm sure other companies have had a major role in it as well, that Coca-Cola has brought this deadly disease to this country and spent billions of dollars making sure that they spend even more billions of dollars buying it and with total disregard for what it did to the strength of the health of that culture. I mean, that's my summation of what the film's about. And so, you know, you need to watch it, and I'm going to tell you how to do that at the end of my review. But it really brings some hard, hard facts that were were terrifying. Now, I want to ask you, what made you do this? Like, how did you find out about it, and what made you choose this as a as a project? Well, when I became an empty nester back in 2008, I signed up to go on a volunteer medical mission to the Yucatan of Mexico, and I had no idea really what diabetes was, or, you know, I just sort of was wanting to take a month off from what they call stick season here and go someplace warm, and I volunteered for this, and it really just opened my eyes to what was happening. I really couldn't believe that there were all of these people that were suffering from this preventable disease and had no idea what was causing it. It was so disturbing to me that I really felt like I needed to say something. And I decided that the best way to do it would be to do it in a visual way and to make this documentary. Well, the visuality of the documentary is one of the things I'm going to talk about when I review it. It's beautiful, you know, especially the beginning. Some of it is not beautiful because the picture's not beautiful. But it's funny. At one point, this this guy, I don't know, a scientist or someone says, look, I don't think we should be calling it type 2 diabetes because that nobody knows what that, what does diabetes mean? You know, like there's no, you don't have a visual for the word diabetes. And he said, what I'd like to be calling it is processed food disease. And that was a shocking moment for me because certainly this country more than other countries has processed food disease. And we have a higher rate of diabetes than most countries in the world anyway. And what also shook me to my core was that you see these people feeding their small children, you know, bottles of Coca-Cola. And, you know, we don't see that in this country And the reason they do it is because it's safer than feeding them water that would cause dysentery, which leads me to the Bill Gates documentary on water and dysentery and it being the largest reason for child death in Africa. And, you know, just the whole syndrome across the globe of things that we brought into the world that have made it so it's very hard to successfully navigate a childhood in many, many arenas. So it's, it's disturbing and I was filled with shame that my country can buy their way into the demise of another country so easily with just small amounts of cash. You know, I mean, billion dollars is a small amount of cash in the world today to a small number of people, like three people at the top of a government, and that you can you can create such devastation for the masses. It's just shocking, just shocking. It is, and the sad thing is now it's been like that for so long. It's just cultural now. Yeah. People have uh, habits of doing things, and nobody 
is questioning what they're doing. It's very mindless, and it's even harder to turn something like that around when it's so ingrained in your culture. Right. Oh, amazingly. Now, the other thing is, and I think there's so many of these incredible points that are made. This used to be a country that subsisted on rice and beans, and now they subsist on pizza and hamburgers. I was like, oh, my God, what have we done? And then I thought, we didn't do it to Canada. You know, (laughs) look, we have two major countries on our borders, Mexico and Canada. The way we've treated those two countries is extremely different. And so as you're watching this, you know, the message is the demise of the health and wellness of a country. And you did it really brilliantly. I congratulate you. But the bigger message is, the countries we choose to do things like this to versus other countries. And I do think that this is a racist issue. And I'm not going to ask you to comment on that because it won't help you getting your film out. But I couldn't help but be struck by the fact we never went into Canada and did it there. And, you know, what? once the U.S. market for soft drinks started softening in the U.S. because we became more aware of the detrimental effects of sodas, we started pushing that product into all kinds of places. Mexico was sort of the first and the longest, but you know we're doing that all over the world. And you see the same thing happening in India and Nepal. And, and right now I have a lot of friends that have seen the film that are going on vacation, or at least they were, and they were coming back to me and saying, oh my God, it's just the same in Nepal. It's just the same in Indonesia. It's just the same in Thailand. So we're doing this all over the world right now. And there's going to be an explosion of type 2 diabetes in these countries as well. Oh no, absolutely. And what's interesting is we produce Coca-Cola in large quantities in Mexico because obviously it's much cheaper than if we went across the border to Canada to do it there. So that's one of the reasons that they can cement this momentous destruction of a culture so easily. But the other thing is, I have to go back on Netflix. There's a Warren Buffett documentary that I think is absolutely brilliant, and I love it. And his company owns a substantial amount of Coca-Cola, and he's a Coca-Cola machine in the office, and he drinks Coca-Cola. I think he drinks Diet Coke, but not sure. He uses the Coca-Cola dispenser in the office And he's a man who's revered for caring about people. He's a man who's revered for doing the right thing. He's a man who's revered for treating money respectfully, smartly, but also without being able to buy him into a terrible moment. And I do think he should be held somewhat accountable and someone should ask him in some press conference or other, are you aware of what Coca-Cola has done to the world, especially third world countries that can't protect themselves from our money? Are you aware what they've done? And are you still willing to, to make money from it? You know, there are lots of people who you could have gone to, to, you know, extend this conversation, which needs to happen. There needs to now be another documentary that follows up this one that goes across the globe and really holds these people accountable. Did you ask some of these people for interviews and they didn't give them to you? Or did you just try to stay within the framework of you're going to show the demise of this culture this way? Well, we relied on archival footage of some of the Coke executives. Which, by the way, I I mean, I can't believe they said those things out loud, let alone in front of a camera. Hello? 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, to tell you the truth, well, first of all, there is an active movement amongst uh, shareholders. Coca-Cola just had a shareholders meeting last week, and they actually do have activist shareholders that are trying to get the company to make a statement on the health effects of sugar. So there is something going on there. But also, one of the problems is that the board of directors of company is required to maximize profits, and they're not allowed to take into account public health implications. And I know, I think Elizabeth Warren actually introduced some kind of a bill that would relieve shareholders of any liability if they did indeed try to look at the public health impacts of their products. So, you know, that could be another point for making a change there. So that's kind of an interesting development. Yeah, you know, I didn't know that, actually. I didn't know that there was a a liability there. But here's the thing. Coca-Cola, with all the plants they have in place, and when water became fabulous and the thing to drink, and when water became a commodity in third world countries because they couldn't get clean water, they could easily have transitioned out of Coca-Cola into water. And some of them did buy water companies. You know, I think Deer Park was purchased by a soft drink company. But at any rate, they could have done that. They could have done both. They could have maximized profits because water's cheaper to make than, or cheaper to clean and whatever than Coca-Cola is. And so they could have maximized profits, but just changed the factories to be putting out a different product that's a little less likely to kill us, you know, at young ages. Yeah, and, and down in Mexico, they do both. They bottle water and soft drinks. And the problem is the pricing is that they're pricing the water more than the Coke. So if you are trying to get some calories for the day to go to your job, your manual labor job, you know, you're looking at those two things. The Coke's cheaper yeah. and it's going to give you some energy. And which one are you going to select off I'm gonna, the shelf? I'm going to pick the Coke if I'm trying to feed my family out of $5 a day. You know, no question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I get it. I mean, totally. There's so many moments that are obvious, but you hadn't thought them through. So they become critical to the success of the film that you've done. It's an hour and 15 minutes. It's definitely worth the watch. And I'm again, after we hang up, I'm going to go over it a little more with, with everybody from Screen Thoughts. But I do want to ask you a couple things. First of all, you're launching this in the middle of a pandemic. And so your ability to get it out is not as easy as it would be if all the film festivals were happening and everything else. But on the other side of that coin, I'm in marketing as my day job. So in the other side of that coin, it's also a good opportunity because now, you know, using social media and everything else levels the playing field, you know. So you'll be able to not be criticized or judged on the fact that it didn't get into a lot of film festivals because you can't get into them now anyway. And so you can get it out there. I, I want to know, like, are you, did you want to hold off for a year? What did you, what did you think? You know, you're going ahead and we're going to do everything we can to make sure a lot of people see this. And the way you can see it is there's a website. You can go, you can pay $10. And you can view the film. And it's, I, I hope that our, our listeners will do that. And I'm sure they will. And I'm sure we can get the word out for you. But what, what was your thought? I mean, well, we had premiered in London in December and we were having a nice run um, in the Netherlands. And we had plans for U.S. premiere in, at the beginning of April, which got canceled. And so my thought was we had a lot of people in the states and in the public health community that, that have been waiting to watch it. And I thought, well, we would 
just go ahead and open it up for a week and put the film up online. And it's also a way to support a struggling film festival that here in Vermont that had its spring festival canceled. So um, it's a way to kind of support the local film community and also to, in a very limited way to get the film out and seen. And hopefully people will start talking about it and what what the next steps are nobody knows nobody really knows when the movie theaters are going to open up who's going to survive but then again film workers don't want to just put everything straight to digital so this was sort of a, a baby step towards putting things um, out there digitally well, good yeah well congratulations congratulations on opening my eyes to something i had no idea was happening even though i should have congratulations for making me feel really bad <laughs> when this is a time <laughs> i really want yeah. well done yeah well done thanks a lot really looking forward to talking with you about what's your next project are you working on something that's going to make me feel bad again i mean what are you working on now Okay, now I was just going to say, I, you at the end of the film, I really hope that you are inspired. That uh, I know that it's a troubling movie, but uh, there there's a very helpful sign. And in many ways, Mexico is now leading the world in public health policy. No, so. you know what? How smart for you to bring that up. Yeah. It, at the end, it does show that the Mexicans may not lie, you know, continue to lie down and let us step all over them the way we have been. But at this moment in time, when our government and our politics is so divisive, it's very, very hard to watch something like that and feel good about being an American, which you already are not feeling good about. So, you know, but you're right. At the end, it does show that Mexico may try to stand up to us. I just know that I've tried to stand up inside my own country, and that's not working so well, so I'm really not sure how good they're going to be at being able to stop what is a massive, massive semi running through their country owned by us. Right. Well, they're trying to change the narrative, and I think, yeah. you know, if they can inspire the rest of us to, you know, go against powerful forces, even when we think we don't have a chance, I think that that might no. be a message we need to take away. Karen, that is a point well taken, and I think we probably should end with that. But you didn't answer the question. Are you working on another project? Um, no, I'm not. I will probably spend another year trying to market this one and get yeah. it out there. And something else would have to really bother me a lot for me to spend that much time and effort. So I don't know what that thing well, is. Well, I can give you a list of 10 things inside the United States that you could take a look at. So we'll have to talk another time about all that. But thanks for spending this time with me. And congratulations. What an important film. And, you know, if, if nothing more at this point in time in our lives, we just want to do something important. So let's hope we can get some people to watch it for you. All right. Well, thank you so much. And you ha have a nice day. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Right, it was great to talk to Karen Aikens about this movie. And I talked a little bit about the movie during my interview with her, but I just want to say a couple of quick things. One is that... It's beautiful. It's beautiful in Mexico. And the culture and the people in Mexico are beautiful. And it is my heartfelt wish that our invasion, our, our rape of this country will be addressed by their politicians and they'll walk away from the money that has certainly been our demise, if you ask me. And they will put back in place that which was a beautiful culture before we came to totally ruin it. Now, if you want to see the movie, you can go to www.elsustomovie. So it's E-L-S-U-S-T. 
T-I-M-O-V-I-E.com. And I'll put it up on all of our websites and everything so you can go there too. And you can see the movie and pay $10 to see it because it won't be able to be in the theaters because of the COVID situation. I hope you'll support the movie by going. And you have a three-day pass when you go. So you could watch it with your whole family or with friends, or pass it around to friends, or whatever you want to do. The point is to try to get as many people to see it as possible. So I thank Karen for talking with me earlier today, and also I thank my friend Evie Duretsky, who I've known for 45 years, who lives up in Vermont, and she plays tennis with Karen, and she's the one who made the introduction so that we could interview her and do this on three screen thoughts today. So hope you have a great week and watch this documentary. Don't miss it.